Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour number three of the Get Right here on 105.3 The Fan. Alec Medford and Reginald Atatua and Rigo Mendoza riding shotgun with you throughout the evening tonight with you until 11 o'clock. And we'll get up on out of here, but trust me, we got plenty to get to in the meantime. The truckwreck.com text line is 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053 to get involved in any and all of our conversations here tonight. Also live on Twitch and YouTube, twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam, or just search 105 through the fan on YouTube and you can check us out there. But if you missed the breaking news today, the Dallas Mavericks, who are in action right now, trailing now to the Houston Rockets early in the third quarter, 59-56. to uh, Mark Cuban sold his majority stake in the team, and he sold it to someone with a lot more money than him. To that's, me- that's a good way of selling things, by the way. Yeah. It, to it, someone with a lot more money. It was very smart, and uh, it was a great ROI, if you ask me. We'll get to that in a second. Miriam Adelson and the Adelson family will take over the majority stake If you are wondering who that is, that is a group of casino tycoons out in Las Vegas. They helped uh, create the Venetian out there, and they own the Las Vegas Sands, among other things. Yeah, that would be great. You know, the word tycoon just isn't said enough. Although it doesn't, I feel like it has a twinge of evil in there. It does. It really does. I feel like that's why we don't use it as much as we should. But it kind of does have that connotation to it. Which one's better, tycoon or baron? Right? Like you, you can be like an oil baron. Yeah. Because I think evil with that, too. Okay, very good. So Yeah, I'm split there. My bad. We'll <laughs> tycoon could you, be were, very you were giving important news. Yeah. Tycoon could be very twirly mustachey. Okay. Yeah, okay. kind of does have a fancy feel to it I feel it like Baron well. is more mustachey, though. Like, right, more... I don't know. Baron, when I think of Baron, I think of Red Baron, and I think of pizza. And okay, very hungry. good. Yeah. I've taken us to an entirely different place. Very. My bad. Uh, oh, mogul. Ah, I like this. Mogul I like what we're doing great. here at yes. Twitch. Thank you. Lasso. Some great evil words to describe rich people. Mogul is also evil? Okay. I feel like no. Mogul has a little less of, a, of an evil twinge. A little bit less, but there still does... There's some residual there. I, I will say that. There is some residual for me. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just what I think about rich people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, at the end of the day, I, I have no clue, but I digress either way. Uh, more rich people. That's right. Mark Cuban, uh, the Adelson family, now working together as Cuban. Important piece of information here. Cuban will still run basketball operations the same way that he has for years now. Uh, so he's still involved. There's just new money in play. Still has ownership stakes. He doesn't have yeah. like as many, clearly, because he sold the majority of them to the Adelson family. But he still has stake in the ownership. So he is still a minority owner uh, once this is fully uh, completed. But as you mentioned, yeah, he will be, you know, still operate this uh, this club in the same way that he has previously. $3.5 billion mm. is the range mm. that uh, Sham Sharania has reported for this sale, which is incredible when you realize that, you know, a couple decades ago, Cubes bought the team for just under $300 million. Hey, Cuban, let me hold some dollars right quick. I man. know. Let me hold something, man. 
He, he used to be a regular up here. Like, send a pizza up here or something for once. That'd pizza? Nice. I'm talking about some school loan debt. Like, <laughs> yeah, I let's, know. Let's, let's get some things straight, bro. Hey, man, mine are about to start kicking in here in about seven months, so that would be nice. Hello, Mark Cuban. Let's uh, let's let's do some business. I know you're not in the Shark Tank uh, business anymore, but, hey, I can make a deal with you. So, there's a lot of things, a lot of different directions, a lot of different points of view that people have taken. One of the things is that. Like, that was news that we got this week, right? Yeah, or- I think just... E- as recent as yesterday, maybe right. the day before. The idea that Mark Cuban is no longer going to be on a shark tank, I believe, after this season. Yeah. And, I mean, do, are you inclined to believe that there's any level of through line between him kind of being out on this thing that he is, you know, very closely as, as associated with, with Shark Tank, and then selling a majority stake of this basketball team? I don't think they're unrelated. Like, I, I think there has to be some sort of tie in there to either. There is like a personal life aspect to it to where he wants to get his feet out of as much water as he can to try to focus on his life. Or is this him saying, I want to focus on my business expenditures more and not a TV show that, you know, does play into some of the business. But still, maybe he's saying, look, I want to expand this thing that I have that is an NBA franchise. I want to make it into something more like Jerry Jones has done with the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, it's going to be impossible to get to that level. But, you know, the same frame of mind of let's turn this into an entity rather than a team. You know, maybe he's just wanting to put all of his chips into one central area rather than many things. And he he needs more time to focus on that. Uh, So I don't think they're unrelated. I really don't. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm just... Those are things that I found interesting. I don't know what to do with that. It's just, hey, this is a thing, and I guess we will continue to see. Like, ultimately, now we get the the initial news, and I, I imagine there's many people doing, you know, getting calls and trying to figure things out as to the whys and the hows of how of this thing coming together. Um, one of the things that I started thinking of was what might change, and ultimately, if we are to believe that Mark Cuban will remain in the same role that he has for like a good long amount of time, as opposed to like some level of transition, it seems like not much will change when it comes to um, the actual ground level things. Because one of the things I was thinking about is if you do, in fact, get new, fully new ownership where Mark Cuban isn't in that place. Mark Cuban, as funny as it seems, right, you have not gotten free agents really as the Dallas Mavericks, but Mark Cuban, you talk to like players and such, and it feels like there's largely like still a good feeling about Mark Cuban, the way this organization is run. I don't know exactly how to make those things jive, but like that has seemed to be the thing. And so like you get a different ownership. Does that change or does, I mean, do you see that go the other way? Do you see the possibility of more free agents coming into town change and also like, um, you do have, and we, you know, alluded to this, you do have these tiers of NBA ownership, right? Um, and with that being the case, we had gotten to a place around here where there's people that looked around and said, Hey man, I don't know if, um, I don't know if Mark Cuban got the bankroll to spend the money and, or the want to, to spend the money to keep this team in that high level of spending. And with that being the case, I think, uh, at least when it comes to like wealthiest uh, owners in in the NBA, according to Southwest Journal, if you're inclined inclined to believe that, Mark Cuban was previously ranked ninth in the NBA, and I imagine we're going to see this go, get a little bit different here very soon. Uh, the Mavericks probably, when it comes to like owners with net worth, hop up to like second. Wow. And so, are you going to see this team? 
you know, spend in some of the ways that you've seen the likes of. And obviously, net worth does not necessarily mean that's exactly what's going to get put in, right? But are you going to see the coffers open up a little bit where this team, understanding that the NBA salary cap has been negotiated in the new CBA to be more restrictive of over overwhelming spending, but I wonder, is this team going to be more aggressive in using their money like Steve Ballmer has and like the Warriors have, even though their ownership doesn't have like all that money? They've been seen to be a little bit more willing to do that. I wonder if that changes a little bit. I would like to think it does, and I think that's part of the reason why Cuban is still there in a basketball operations role, because I, the way I envision this negotiation going down is, look, you know, if I'm going to stick around and everything and have some sort of presence in basketball ops, I need you to believe in me. I need you to buy in in me and Nico Harrison's ideas and our visions of what this roster could look like, what this team could look like how this franchise presents itself on and off the floor. And the way you do that is by listening to us and handing over the money. You know, like I know the conversation isn't that simple, but at its core, it needs to be a working relationship between the two sides for this to even work. It needs to be a, look, we present the basketball IQ, whether you want to agree with Cuban's IQ or not, or Nico Harrison's basketball knowledge or not. They have to present that and say, look, we have an idea, but it requires more money than we can put forward. This is where you come in, and that's where you have a perfect marriage. Is it going to be a perfect marriage? We don't know. Is that how it's going to work? We don't know. This literally just came down hours ago. It's not even officially, like the transaction is not official yet, so we don't know really anything about how this is going to work. I'm interested to see how that dynamic works because usually when you have a majority ownership stake change like that, a changing of the guard, if you will, There's not remnants, you know, you see within a few months, the shop gets cleared out and there's a new place put in that lease, you know, it's a whole new front office. It's a whole new set of assets going into that building and trying to build around a new person's vision. It's kind of interesting to me that Cuban's still there and it was mutually agreed upon to any extent. Because that means to me there has to be some sort of working relationship. How does that look? I don't know yet. But I think it could result in more free agent activity. And if, for a lack of better term, it might just be more money spent. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I I tend to believe that, because I know we have someone on the text line saying, it's not Mark Cuban, it's the city. Players don't like Dallas. And I have a hard time believing that in I particular. Um now, look, it, there's a possibility, right? I'm, I'm not the players, but this is a place where you see so many former athletes in general, right? And I don't want to speak particularly to NBA athletes because I can't, like, say that NBA athletes and NFL athletes are exactly the same. And I also can't say that they're particularly um, diametrically different, right? But it do, we have a lot of former athletes that live in this DFW Metroplex. And with that being the case, like, that would lead me to believe, and maybe this is just like, oh, players of a certain age, right? Players in a certain uh, age group feel like DFW is a great place to raise a family or whatever. But um, DFW seems to be a place where athletes enjoy living. And so I find it hard to believe that athletes of a, of a particular time are just like, nope, can't be there. And then at a, some certain point, it's just like, okay, but now we love it here. I feel like that might be a little bit hard to kind of put together. But look, again, I guess it's a possibility. I I've, I just found this incredible that like the two things that you're mentioning, the idea of Mark Cuban re- remains as, I guess, the governor in this instance. I believe that that's how this is going to work because if he remains the same 
But this ownership group has just gone putting a whole bunch of money in. And it does feel like um, this ends up being an opportunity for them to just grow their money. But I was like, you can. And I guess maybe it's just like the, the amount of money is bigger with you when you have a majority amount of shares. But we've seen people put money in um, without getting majority shares if they wanted to just put money in. That's true. And I love that point. I want to go back to what you were Please talking do. about with the athletes in DFW. You know, and not liking Dallas or whatever. One reason I have trouble believing that narrative is look at the community involvement that some of these bigger names have been able to do. I mean, you see Troy has his own spot. Troy Eggman's Pizza or whatever at Texas Live. Then you have Pudge has his own spot. And then you have Dirk Nowitzki opening up a restaurant in DFW Airport. Like, there is opportunity for so much growth in this market just as a personal brand Mm -hmm. to the point where if you can come make any impact, I mean, you guys hear it during the Ranger broadcast during the season. You have Justin Ruggiano, you know, who played for the Rangers for a very minimal amount of time. He's out here making a living with a roofing company and marketing the fact that, hey, I have these Rangers tie-ins, you know, and I want to serve the community that came out and served my team. You know, there's a lot of engagement and integration of pro athletes within the community here in DFW. So I just feel like there's too many opportunities to pass up for free agents. So that's not the narrative I get. I think it just comes down to money on the table right then, right there. Because I think the future is great for people to come live here. But to play, they don't really see it with the Dallas Mavericks. And it all comes down to are you going to pay me? Yeah, the conversation, obviously, because of the nature of business that the Adelson family is in, when we talk about uh, casino business in Las Vegas, has brought gambling into the forefront of this conversation and what role gambling and the potential of gambling in the future might play in this deal and the idea of Texas passing gambling. The text line from 214, they ask, what if this is a per- precursor for the Mavs moving to Las Vegas if Texas doesn't pass gambling? I simply just refuse to believe that the NBA would be good with moving a moving a franchise out of a major market in America. Right? Yeah. It just does not seem like a smart thing to do. It does not seem like good business. It's burning um, money. And so that's the reason why I don't really I don't feel like that would make sense. I would I would anticipate an expansion franchise or moving another team um in that instance. Like this is a, a team that sells out this is a team that rates fairly well right i just i don't know necessarily that that would be the way that i go about it however right um i do think the prospect of like trying to expand gambling into texas might be something that that family is interested in i don't know that like they would need to have a a ownership stake in a team in order to do that um right like you could you could do do that level of lobbying without a team but Maybe like maybe that level of investment would be able to, you know, give you roots in Texas and have some level of um, additional political lobbying power or what have you yeah. in order to make that happen. Um, and I know that there's teams that are or there are already investments that are in the state that are already moving that way. And there are obviously things that are like the likes of Oklahoma and Louisiana. Right. Um, a, a lot of the money that wants to go to gambling in the state of Texas, they go right across the border to Oklahoma, and Louisiana. That's not by accident, right? There are interests that want to keep it that way because then that money is not flowing in that way. So I I don't know that this is necessarily something that that is like, this is imminent, that's why this is happening. But I can't rule that out. I can't. 
to be the, completely honest. From the 817, I don't think you guys are looking at DFW from a 23-year-old's eyes. This is not a young or not a happening place for someone young. Well, you're technically correct because I'm 22, but um, <laughs> I I like to think that what, what a hilarious situation to be in. Like <laughs> I love what you're trying to do there, Texter. Unfortunately, you just had the wrong host. Yeah, you you caught seriously the wrong show. But you're but, al- you're also you're, you're 22. But you're not a millionaire. Yeah, I'm not a millionaire, and that's but I, I am young and I am not smart sometimes. So trust me, uh, I like to think as DFW being a pretty fun place to go make some mistakes. Like, I think there's some great avenues to uh, achieve those goals if that's what they want to do. I'm not going to go in depth, but there there's definitely avenues. And I just fully disagree with that. I think there's a lot of fun to be had here, even just from a grand view. Like, there's... There's a lot of things going on in DFW now. I mean, like Frisco. Look at how Frisco has just boomed over the past couple of years. Didn't used to be much of anything, and now it's kind of the city to be up here. So there's a lot of things happening here. I like DFW, but teach their own. Anyways, uh, I think ultimately it lands on this is this is something where the more information we've gotten, it feels like there's not as it it, it it's still a big deal, but it does not feel as big of a deal as it at when you read the news at first, when you first hear the news that Mark Cuban has sold the majority stake, because it feels like, at least for the time being, everything will stay largely the same. We'll see over time if if that Mark Cuban, you know, remaining in his same role ultimately changes. We'll see if the investment level when it comes to money changes. But for the most part, this feels like it's just kind of a, a, a I don't know, a, a, a books kind of thing, right? A money thing. When it comes down to it, but for the players or for the fans, rather, I don't know that there is a large change. Yeah, I don't think there is from a day to day basis for the average Maverick fan right now. Now, this least. this could be interesting from the in four, six, nine. Hopefully you'll get a new arena out of it. I could see that possibly happening because yes. there was a lot of chatter about Mark Cuban maybe wanting to build his own arena. Yeah, he just said it what a few months ago. He said there's a less than 50 percent chance he stays at the double AC with the maps. And which is as we we looked did a little bit of looking up. It's I mean, obviously publicly funded arena and everything. Yeah. Um. Now, what happens if the city of Dallas or whatever does not want to pay for a new arena or what have you. Um, would you go the private route? And then I guess in that instance, people start talking about, well, what if you move? I imagine that there's other places in the area that be willing to put up that money probably, or if you go the privately funded route, which is personally my favorite. Hey, the Allison seem to have a whole bunch of money, right? Yeah, they can make that happen pretty quick. And I think the best way to look at all of this and answer these questions is from the 214 might just be above our pay grade to which I say, yes, because we have no clue. This is all just theorizing and hoping that one of these things will stick because this is so new and so it's not even official yet in terms of a transaction. So we'll see what happens here in the coming days, weeks, months. What happens with the Mavericks and the changing of the guard there in terms of ownership. But coming up next on the Get Right, we flip our attention to the NFL and postseason accolades, specifically the MVP award. Who's MVP candidacy do you appreciate the most 877-881-1053 let us know on the truckwreck.com text line we'll talk about it next on the fan
This segment of the Get Right is brought to you by Frankel and Frankel. Life is unpredictable and accidents happen. Frankel and Frankel are the go-to attorneys for car and truck wrecks in the DFW. And if you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, contact Frankel and Frankel for a free consultation at truckwreck.com or call 214 or 817-333-3333. Back here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan about to Talk about some NFL MVP candidacy and whose you appreciate the most. 877-881-1053. Let us know on the truckwreck.com text on Twitch and YouTube as well. Uh, the score is the same in the matchup between the Dallas Stars and the Winnipeg Jets. Still 1-0 in favor of the Dallas Stars. And Mavericks not having a great time at home against these Rockets. 84-75. to The Rockets are ahead. At the uh, nearing the end of the third quarter, just over a minute left in that frame. Not great for the Dallas Mavericks thus far, and it totally feels like a game that they could lose, and I'd be like, yep, that happened. Yeah, man, leading scorer for your Mavericks is Luka Doncic, who has 29 points. After that, Dante Exum with 12. Ooh. Is that the name you expected me to say there? Uh, no, not at all, actually. Tim Hardaway Jr. with 11. Kyrie Irving, 3 of 13 on the night for eight points right now. So you could see some of the the Rockets' um, really good defense showing up here. And I still am just amazed by the fact, because last year they were just, they were dog water when it came to defense. <laughs> they were not good. And this is a very different, diametrically different team when it comes to defense. Um, but yeah. Yeah, the Mavs are shooting 43% from the field opposed to the Rockets' 50% right now. Uh, not too good for the Mavs. We'll keep you updated as this game continues and eventually goes final later on tonight. But let's flip the conversation to the NFL as we do have kind of a clear picture of who some of the better players in the league are at this point in the season. What is it, week 13 now? Yes, so, we are heading into week 13. It'll start off with your Dallas Cowboys taking off, taking uh, on, rather. That's weird, flip yeah, there. Uh, yeah. Taking on the Seattle Seahawks at AT&T Stadium on Thursday, Thursday night football. Uh, from uh, Arlington. Um, now, this kind of inspired is inspired by Stephen Ruiz of the Ringer, a very good writer, particularly about football. And he made a point in one of his latest pieces that I found to be interesting, being that um, have you thought if you think about it, it's been a while since we've had a good MVP debate. Yeah, and that's not to say like a good MVP race because we've had M- like good MVP races, right? You could talk about twenty twenty one where Aaron Rodgers, you know, had the third best odds to win. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, but at the end of the season, it was just like, who kind of finishes up with the best passing statistics, right? Yeah. That wasn't a, really a debate. It was just kind of a, we'll see how this one plays out and who wins it. But this year, you kind of have a debate that builds, right? Because you have these very different uh, MVP, types of MVPs that are available to you, right? Um, so let's see. Who were some of the ones that you have, right? Um, let's see. Jalen Hurts. Is one of those, uh, right? His heart, his candidacy is like hard to put into a single bucket, according yeah. to Ruiz, right? Yeah, it's like the record, but like you can't really just call him a system quarterback, but it's not like entirely false, right? Uh, but like you know, his production isn't you know the same as other MVP candidates, right? And so, with that being the case, there's that one, right? You could point to the idea of you know the quarterback wins, which of course is there. You know, there's convenient, there's like big numbers, there's narrative, there's impressive film, there's a lot of different of those types of things that you could possibly talk about. Um, so let's lay out some of the candidates that we think of when we talk about MVP season this year. Who comes to mind for you? 
I think one that pretty much comes up every year and maybe to some people a little bit more this year because of the lack of weapons outside of Travis Kelsey would be one Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is always going to be involved in this, right? Like just every single time. Patrick yep. Mahomes is an MVP candidate. Um, let's see. Dak Prescott currently exists as third. Jalen Hurts, as we already mentioned. Lamar Jackson comes in here. Tua, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey. As a running back, we've got some non-quarterbacks involved here because you talk about Christian McCaffrey. Tyreek Hill is always going to come in here when it comes to just like the gaudy receiving numbers that he's got. Um, can I interest you in a C.J. Stroud off of the rookie quarterback portion of this? Yeah. And how about a defensive candidate? Because how often do we get one of those? Um, you can talk about a couple of guys here in Dallas. And we talk about Deron Bland setting an NFL record. Yeah. Defensively, and we're not even we're not even done with the season. <laughs> Michael Parsons is one of those guys, and then how about Josh Allen for not not uh or sorry quarterback Josh Allen? Yes, I was about to say uh, defensive Josh Allen, but I was like, you know what, that might be a little stretch. Yeah, that I might be going a, a little far. <laughs> um, and so which of these guys kind of sounds because like look, man, there's there's various different right. There's guys kind of playing right right place right time. You've got kind of like Purdy, Tungle Vailoa. They're just like, look, the, in the right system, these dudes are cooking, right? You might not look at them as just like, this dude's incredible, but it's like having a great year in the right place. You look at the guys who are just like, this guy is an incredible player, like Patrick Mahomes. Dak Prescott, who is putting up a hell of a like number season as well. Um, which one of those kind of impresses you the most? It's tough because... At this point, I and like... And then, I'm sorry, I just want to bring up Josh Allen is like, he's playing real good even though the team doesn't win. Yeah, and it's tough because then you have to start weighing all those factors, and it feels like there's nobody right now that's just consistently wowing me. Yes. To the point where I'm open for conversation for any of these guys. I mean, Patrick Mahomes will be the favorite to a lot of people just because of his namesake. But He's just the default? Is that yeah, where we're going? Yeah, he's just the default for a lot of people, but if you want to go head-to-head with him and Dak Prescott... Pretty similar stats, if not better, leaning towards to Dak Prescott. I mean, they're both 8-3 and three on the year. Uh, Prescott has 17 more passing yards. The pass touchdown to interception ratio, 23-6 to six for Dak, 21-9 to nine for Mahomes. Passer rating this season, Dak 107.4, Mahomes 96.3, and Dak is two percentage points higher in completion percentage. So the stats are there, but Mahomes has the wow factor plus the who is he throwing to not named Travis Kelsey. So people will bring that into play. Jalen Hurts is such a weird candidate to me, and not for any bad reason. It's just that he's playing consistently good for the most part. Again, just nothing crazy. But he's got 10 wins on the year. Nobody else does. Uh, Who do I appreciate the most? I'd almost say one of the non-quarterbacks, just because I feel like all the quarterbacks are certain on are, are sort of on a certain uh, like same level as each other. So I I kind of want to go non-quarterback there and say like a Christian McCaffrey or a Micah Parsons or a Miles Garrett even. Yeah, Miles Garrett's tough because he's been phenomenal, but yeah. he kind of picks up this injury that he you know he assures us he'll play through. I wonder what changes for him down the stretch. T.J. Watt is another one you could throw in there. Yeah. Um, I think that. I'm intrigued by, I don't know if this impresses me the most, but I'm intrigued by the notion of Tyreek Hill, right? Mm. Just And look, it is just the fascination, and maybe some of this is built in, and this is where the debate comes in. It's like the idea that we have made the MVP a quarterback award. Yep. And I think there's a lot of people that have clamored for the idea of, why does that have to be the case? And maybe we are doing the thing where we're looking for the perfect um, 
the perfect, uh, you know, example so that we can break that mold. And we might have it with Tyreek Hill, who is like, you know, at least at one point was on pace to get 2,000 yards. I, I guess I, as I'm starting to say, I'm like, is he still on that pace? I need to double check. But like, if he's able to put up that gaudy stat and like, obviously Ty, Tua Tungvaloa is doing what he needs to do and he fits that system perfectly. But I think it's, people feel comfortable dismissing him because of prior thoughts on him and then the ways in which you can maybe talk about him as a system quarterback or whatever and the ways in which you also know that system depends on Tyreek Hill. Could we possibly see this like non-quarterback MVP and like the first wide receiver MVP? Um, that would be really fun if for no other reason than breaking the trend. And as y'all know, I can be a little bit of a contrarian sometimes. So like Tyreek <laughs> Hill, kind of one of those things that's kind of intri- intriguing for me thus far. If it was going to be any time for that to happen, I think this year would make the most sense just because you don't have that clear-cut quarterback. Uh, if you're going to talk about appreciating the most, who not who I think is going to win it, but who I appreciate. Yes, because like this is the thing. The debate is not fun if you're just like, well, we know who's going to win. Yeah. Because well, this is a year where you can kind of create the debate in ways that are more interesting than others. Yeah, if, if I'm appreciating one the most, I'd say... Um, Tyree Kill is probably up there. I, he's probably up there as my most appreciated just because it seems like you know you are going to get fireworks every single game from him, and you don't feel that way about any other quarterback, really. If it was going to be a quarterback, if we're going to keep that narrative that it's going to be a quarterback award this year, you know, who do I appreciate the most? I'd even throw in the Lamar Jackson conversation just because, again, you talked about the preconceived notions about some of these guys like Tua. I think the same exists with Lamar Jackson where he's been a lot better of a pocket passer for my money this season. Like the numbers aren't going to be anything flashy, but I think he's playing the best complimentary football in to where his his running game is more of a luxury to me than it was before. It, it felt like it was a true necessity. I feel like that offense still rolls through the fact that he can do both. But I feel like this year I appreciate his ability as a passer more than I did before even though I was a Lamar Jackson quarterback truther mm-hmm. going into this, I feel like this year under uh, his new offensive coordinator, Todd Monken. Monken, yeah, out of Georgia, I feel like I appreciate his passing ability more, so I think I appreciate his candidacy more because not enough people are talking about it. That's fair enough. And also, like that's a team that you watch them play and they look dominant. And they just have this weird thing at the end of some, certain of these games, they're just not finishing them off. But they look dominant, and you almost wonder, like, where is that? Where's that flaw? And when you watch him, it does not feel like it's Lamar Jackson. Like offensive line. Well, one of the things is you could say maybe he's not feeling some pressure sometimes, but the offensive line, particularly on the edges, have had had some issues for them. And then you end up with somebody coming off the edge and knocking the ball out of his hands and stuff. Um, the Dak Prescott thing is fun because he is like uh, I will lean on Bill Barnwell, who is uh, you know big stats guy when it comes to ESPN and he you know he tweeted some things that I found kind of interesting about Dak Prescott um Dak Prescott has a QBR uh that's ESPN's like stat that tries to kind of isolate um what you call it you know just tries to be a, a single number when it comes to quarterbacks and tries to isolate um opposition right because I know people talk about the the uh the teams that this Cowboys team has played against Dak Prescott since week seven has a QBR of 80.7 Nobody else in the league has over 68, right? So Bill Barnwell asserts that he's comfortably been the best quarterback in football for half a season. And, of course, again, people keep talking about the idea of, hey, man, who has he faced? And Bill Barnwell did this. Again, the defense that he faced over these weeks since week six. Chargers, Rams, Eagles, Giants, Panthers, Commanders, right? 
Non-DAC quarterbacks against those teams, combined QBR of 54.8. DAC's QBR, 81.8 in those seven games. And so, like, things like that is like, all right, well, how much does that get you? Because, again, the narrative conversation will always bring you back to the, 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 the talent and the teams that you're playing against. And one of the things about the MVP is it feels like we've definitely gotten to like the Heisman conversation where you have to have that moment, the Heisman moments as well. Yeah. And for Dak Prescott, because of the teams that they're playing and the ways in which you go, well, they lost, they did not get the job done, right, against the big teams. Um, I think that that hampers them. But you look at those stats and you go, that conversation is also worthwhile with having with that. It's incredible just the different level that he's been on and that stat about the QBR against the bad teams versus other quarterbacks. I think it plays into what I've been trying to preach is like, hey, you're supposed to beat these bad teams, but the team is doing it handedly, and it's been impressive to see. So there's a clear argument there for Dak, and I saw a tweet before the Eagles' last win, before they reached 10 wins, that was saying, you know, it might come down to who wins the NFC East, who wins the MVP, you know. So now I think it's kind of stretching further and further away, and Jalen Hurts looks to be, at least to Vegas, a clearer favorite than Dak, which I'll have the argument. But it's interesting to see who we appreciate more. And, you know, it doesn't really line up with who might win it. Right. And we, we've got someone on the text line. McCaffrey is the only positive player to lead his team in scoring, uh, position player, rather, to lead his team in scoring, right? Some Someone else talks about Jalen and Lamar. Uh, obviously, Mahomes. Obviously, they lean on him. And someone said that they played far better competition. Although you have to then look at the fact that that's a defensive led team this year the Kansas City Chiefs. And some of that you look around and, hey, man, the players that he's playing with, is particularly uh, when it comes to the receiving game, is not where it needs to be. Um, and then, of course, from the A50, hard not to pick Stroud. There's a lot of different things that factor in here. And it feels fun, at the very least, to have an MVP conversation that's a debate as opposed to one that's just who is the quarterback on the team with the most wins that we feel like is you know is doing the best, and that's the, that's the MVP. And so, at the very least, I hope that we can appreciate that about this season. It's refreshing. It honestly is. From the 3-2-5, the Mavs erased a nine-point deficit with two and a half minutes re- uh, remaining, stating immediately, uh, starting immediately, rather, after Alex said the Mavs are going to lose. You see what I'm doing here now, don't you, 3-2-5? You see what I'm doing. Are you saying you jinxed it? Yeah, reverse mm. psychology. Mm. It works every time. Mm. No, it doesn't. But what? it's working today. I digress. Coming up next on the Get Right, sharing time on the fan. This segment of the Get Right is brought to you by Classic Chevrolet. Just announced Classic Chevrolet and Grapevine's one-time Equinox offload. A limited supply of excess Equinox models will be sold direct to the public below market value. See them all at ClassicChevrolet.com. Don't wait. The best sell fast. Classic Chevrolet, find new roads. Back here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up on the other side, we will have your headlines where the Stars and Jets has gone final. We'll get you... Some more on the victory for the Stars, 2 to nothing here in about 13 minutes or so. And the Mavs currently up 99-98 with 6 minutes and 20 seconds remaining in the game at the AAC. See if they can hold on. We will let you know when that goes final. But now is time for sharing time. 
Probably should have the mic on. Yes, sir. Uh, let's have a little sharing time. Uh, would you like me to go first? Is that how you want to Yeah, you can go first. All right, very good. Um, sorry, it might get a little dark. Oh. Um, because I was, uh, so uh, you know, I try and scroll the internet, view different things, read a little bit um, as the dork I am. And something I came across hit me kind of square in the chest yesterday. Um, and the headline reads as follows. Mentally passive sedentary activities linked to 43% higher depression risk. Hmm. So the idea being like some sitting activities can be more harmful than others. And a study suggests that um, like mentally passive sedentary behavior. So think about like watching TV where you're not like actively using your brain. You're kind of just passively using your brain while you're kind of sitting around may increase the risk of developing depression while mentally active sedentary uh, behavior, maybe like sitting sitting at a work um, desk and doing things like that, does not have the same effect. And it's published in the Journal of Affective Disorders. The research provided new insights into how waist size and inflammation may partly explain the link between mentally passive sedentary behavior and depression. But I thought, I thought that, that that initial part was very interesting. Kind of um, does make sense. The idea, yeah, the idea of just sitting back and being passive. And the reason why it hit me in the chest is because, hey, man, a lot of mentally passive sedentary behavior have been happening for me recently. Uh, you know, I have not been getting getting out being active as necessarily as much, and especially like solo sedentary, act, you know, passive behavior. Um, I was like, I think it really, really illustrated for me. It was like, oh, man, this uh, Thanksgiving break where I was like, Spending time with family and I was noticeably more active if for no other reason like getting around and cooking at, at the house or like going out and my family went like bowling on Black Friday or whatever. Yeah. Just like things like that. And I can very much see the difference. And I mean, it's not I guess it's not like super novel, but it was it was a reminder for me like, hey, man, not just like going and seeing people, which you absolutely should do um, and spending time with folks and being active, but like being real intentional about your time is super important just, I mean, to be productive, one. But two, also, you know, to not find yourself in a place where uh, you might be a little depressed. And for me personally, uh, that struck home. Um, so that's that's what I've been thinking on recently or one of the things I've been thinking on recently. And obviously uh, seeing that article kind of linked it all together for me. It's kind of hitting me now because like I, I'm starting to see that reflect in my own life where, you know, I've been spending a lot of my free time kind of just doing nothing. Yeah, because and the tough thing about it is like you're doing stuff otherwise. So it's like this is my time to relax, but relaxing in a way that probably is best for you is something now I'm thinking about. Yeah. And, you know, it's because there's been a lot of things going on, you know, through the brain lately where you know, I've got graduation coming up in a couple weeks and I'm starting to think of the realities of like what lies ahead in adulthood. So like that stuff is just active on my brain, especially when I'm just lounging. I'm literally just like kind of anxious about random stuff that I shouldn't really be in that moment too focused on maybe when I'm trying to actually get stuff done uh, you know and I find myself just kind of in a way overthinking whenever I'm just sitting still you know for for long periods of time even earlier today before the show I'm like hey I should just kind of lay in bed and you know maybe scroll TikTok or something and just kind of relax I've I did some school work earlier so I'm like got a workout in maybe I should just chill and it was like, nope, that wasn't a great idea. And it's all starting to make sense. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not trying to like, hey, self-diagnose, right? It just, I mean, I think that that can kind of be, help us think about these things a little bit more carefully. At least for me personally. I'm like, all right, be a little bit more intentional for me trying to, you know, be a little bit more active or, you know, at least with the brain, be a little active in those, in those times where I'm just kind of sitting around. And maybe if I can, 
just be fully active, get up, go for a walk, things like that to kind of keep myself uh, in a good place. Yeah. And like you said, it's not to self-diagnose or anything, but it's like there is a certain uh, specific link there that is just absolutely making sense. I feel like it's just human nature, you know, all medical diagnosis and whatever aside. It's like whenever you have time to, you know, think a lot of the time you spend it on negative energy uh, that surrounds you rather than, you know, on the positive things that are going on. So uh, I, I've just kind of making that connection there in my personal life, just based off of that. It's like, wow, that is probably not the best way. And I have found myself a lot more positive when I am just working, uh, you know, towards something, whether it's job related or not. If I'm just doing something like in the gym, I'm always in a good mood when I'm in the gym because I'm just not thinking about other stuff. So yeah, that might be a good word of advice is just like, hey, if you're feeling down, just try to find a positive way to spin it and to go do something. Uh, that's a great way of looking at things. Uh, I'm hoping that whatever you have for sharing time is a little bit more upbeat. Uh, not really. Very good. Like, it's Excellent. Not, it's not dark by any means. It's just not positive either. I just want people, especially at our big ages, to start respecting other who's, people's... Who, who's big ages? Uh, you know, like especially just adults. Okay. You know, Very in good. general. Mm -hmm. Just start respecting other people's time and other people's uh, lives in a way where your inability to care does not impact others and i say this all because huh. why, are, why are we still doing group work in college oh because uh there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are uh group projects in real life and i know and, and it's a dumb question but i'm saying this because a lot of people especially once they get to a certain age of adulthood act like their time is too valuable to literally answer a simple text <laughs> that can allow me to finish editing this video that is due. And then when they don't answer me for two weeks straight, mm -hmm. I turn in the video. Sure. And we get an email back from their professor because it's like a, cro a cross class huh. project with That's, two different classes. I don't know how that works, but very good. Yeah. So like it's a video class I'm in. Mm -hmm. and then it's I noticed. A, yeah. And then it's a, uh, a business class that we're working with. Okay. They got a client. I'm not going to say names because then it would completely re reveal who I am talking about. I feel like they might know. But. Yeah, but they they have a client that they had a certain thing that they had to make a video of. So they got the information from the client. They scripted it for us and we had to shoot the video and produce it. I'm mm -hmm. in charge of editing. My other partner was in charge of shooting everything. And so I said, hey, we need a login for this certain software so we can do screen recordings of it. Can you get that for us? because we don't have access to it. They never answered me for two weeks. So I used what I had and I turned it in. We got an email yesterday saying, hey, the other professor reached out and y'all need to make these six changes per the other students. They never answered my text, mm -hmm. but they would answer the professor That's right. and say, hey, we don't like how this looks. When I said, hey, I need certain assets to make this happen for you and do it the way you want it, but you couldn't answer a text message. So can we just respect other people's time you know, as a collective whole and other people's situations and not try to big time them and just ignore text messages. It's, it's like, it's a common courtesy thing. Just, it takes 10 seconds to answer a text, you know, or just when somebody is asking for assistance of you and you are fully capable of giving that assistance and helping a task be accomplished, just be thoughtful mm -hmm. and don't think that you're too important to help.
That That's my rant. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, is there a way to make this more universal? But you know what I realized? I think that this was just an opportunity where you need to get that one off your chest. Yeah, it was. But at the same time, I did think that there was a lesson or at least a request there. Like, you know, because I feel like it it radiate, radiates outside of workplace and school environments. Too, oh, just, where, look, man, there's a lot of things in life that are group projects. Yeah. Um, no, and, and that was not the epitome of my rant was. No, but this know, is the thing is like there, there's a lot of things in life that are group projects. And one thing we got to remember is that uh, one, you're not always going to be uh, able to choose who's in your group. And two, you just kind of got to be able to deal with uh, the folks around that yeah. are, you know, not necessarily. And that's the tough part about it because it's not fair. And yeah. I, I apologize that you had to go through that not fairness. Uh, so what's going to happen now? You don't have to just redo it all? Is that what's happening? No, I'm resubmitting it the exact same. And I'm saying they never got me the necessary materials. Oh, very good. I, the know? petty route of this. Yeah. No, because it's my grade that's, that's right. going to be affected at the end of this. And I'm supposed to graduate in two weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm not playing around. I'm going to say, look, they didn't give me what I needed. So I did not do that for them. Excellent. Yeah. And the class ends on what? Like grades go final for that class on December 2nd. So... I'm not, uh, I'm not doing any of that. Sorry. Mephra was like, be the bigger man. Nah, man. Nah. I'm, I'm standing my ground. That's right. Standing my ground. So shout out UTA. Uh, coming up next on the Get Right after some great sharing time, thank you for giving me a platform to just say, hey, answer text messages, people, and be helpful to those around you. If you can. If you can. Like, if you are able to, help, please. <laughs> just help. That's a great drop in the future. Coming up next, we got your headlines as this Mavs game is dwindling down and they have a lead over the Rockets. The Stars get a big win and more on that Mavs sale coming up next right here on the Get Right.